0: She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. Luke 2 7. Welcome back to Deep in Bear Country, a Berenstain Bearcast. I'm your host, Phil Gonzalez, and we are on the cusp of Christmas this year. And I've sort of avoided the subject for the last few weeks. I just wasn't in the holiday spirit, wasn't in the holiday mood. And then I looked at the calendar and was like, holy goodness, it's time to get down to brass tacks. we got to bring up Christmas this year. Uh, So this week we are looking at 2011's. The Berenstain Bears Get Ready for Christmas. It's living lights. It's a faith story. It's written by Jan and Mike Berenstain. It looks to be illustrated by them. And it is a lift the flap book. And not only is it a lift the flap book, Book, it is a mystery in and of itself because this is the first lift the flap book I've ever encountered in my many years as a parent on this green earth that doesn't function, that doesn't serve the obvious function of a lift the flap book. Now, to me, lift the flap books uh, are a form of narrative storytelling in which a mystery resides on each page and you encourage the reader usually a very small child to guess what they will encounter behind the flap i believe the first lift the flap book in history was where's spot by eric hill Uh, and the whole point of of where's spot which set the standard for Lift the Flaps, was that Spot's mom, who was also a dog, is looking for her child. And she's going around the house saying, where's Spot? And opening up various cabinets and boxes and uh, looking behind things in the house. And the child is supposed to guess whether or not she'll find Spot on that page. So where's Spot? You lift the flap. Nope, he's not there. It's something else that's there. And that tends to be tended to be behind the idea behind lift the flat books for many years uh wow i'm looking at pages from where spot now and i am having some severe like parental flashbacks to when i used to read this book to willow uh when she was a little 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 child um is he in the piano is he is he behind the door is he in the wardrobe is he inside the side the clock <laughs> inside the clock she finds a snake which is a little terrifying is he in the box and she opens the box and it's three like minor birds and they go no 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 and i remember very clearly saying no 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 um there's also a lion a lot of animals in this house in any case the concept of the lift the flat book was that you had to guess Whether or not you were going to discover what you were looking for behind the flap, or you were going to guess what was behind the flap, it it seems fairly obvious. And the Berenstain Bears get ready for Christmas is not that, and it sets itself up to be that. But for some reason, Jan and Mike eschewed the mystery of the lift the flap by simply and we'll get well, we'll so the basic plot is that. The Berenstain Bears are getting ready for Christmas, and they've gotten to the point, to, to the time, to set up their manger scene, or creche, or nativity, as the case may be. And they can't find, so they find, they start off by, okay, wait, okay. First of all, okay. <laughs> Just, I'm really thrown by the way they chose to structure this book. So it starts off, the first thing that happens is Mama Bear is opening the closet, Inside the Bear family living room. Papa's is hanging the garland over the main window. And the kids are opening up the box for the manger scene. But it says the Bear family is going to for Christmas. The next thing it says is the closet is full of Christmas things. And the first flap is opening the door to the closet which Mama opens. And yeah, it's full of Christmas things. A box of ornaments, a box of jingle bells, a box that says sleigh and reindeer set, a box that says Christmas lights. The manger scene box is already out in the living room now right off the bat we are we are in weird lift the flap territory because it doesn't say traditionally in lift the flap world you would say the bear family is getting ready for christmas is there stuff in the closet or what is in the closet and then you would open the door and you would see the boxes and then on the inside of the flap it would say it's full of christmas things right? Like that seems, but no, it just says the closet is full of Christmas things. And then you open the door and lo and behold, there, there it is. So the next lift the flap is the, is the box labeled manger scene. And the narration explicitly sister says, here is baby Jesus in the manger says sister, where is the rest of the scene? And then you lift the flap and yep, there's baby Jesus. Again, Weird lift-the-flappery going on. Because normally, you would say something like, Hey, <laughs> is the manger scene all here? And then you would lift the flap, and there would be baby Jesus. And then she, then inside the flap, it would say, like, Well, here is baby Jesus, but where's the rest of the scene? There's a mystery there, right? Behind every flap should be a mystery. Instead, before you lift the flap, Sister has announced that... A, Jesus is the only thing in the box, and B, the rest of this major scene is missing. And that's the pattern for the rest of the book. You turn the page, and there's a blue, like, sort of decorative box, and is like, well, then let's find the rest of the scene. Now, any regular lift-the-flap writer would say, all right, so each page is going to have a lift-the-flap, and we're going to have to guess what's behind each flap, where... Someone has obviously scattered the manger scene around the house. What What's going to be in each thing? But no, that's not what happens. What happens instead is before you can even begin to lift the flap, the narration tells you what you're going to find. Here are the camels of the three wise bears who worship Jesus, said brother. And you lift the flap and, yep, there's three three camels. And then the next thing is there's a clock. Like What's behind this clock? Well, Sister already says it. Here are the three wise bears, and you lift the flap, and yep, that's it's the three wise bears. In lift the flap, the lift the flap universe, you would expect her to say, "What's behind the clock?" Then you lift the flap, and there they are. And then the, on the flap, it would say, "Here are the three wise bears," Uh it, and it goes on this way. Behind the Bible, she announces, "That's where the Christmas star is." Behind some flowers, the brother just announces, "Here's an angel," and there it is, and Behind the family photo, brother's pointing at it, and he says, here are the shepherds who worship Jesus, and you lift the flap, and that there's the shepherds, and, and here are their sheep, says sister, and you open up the cupboard, and there sure are a bunch of sheep, and this goes on like this. Before the photo of Grizzly Gramps and Grizzly Gran, you find the, the stable, and behind the old-timey radio on the, on the bedside, you find the animals in the stable, and behind brother's baseball glove, you find Joseph, and behind sister's... Stuffed bear you find a Mary and behind a stuffed donkey you find a donkey And then the last page is just them putting the whole thing together I was thrown by this book because it doesn't actually serve the purpose of a lift the flap book It doesn't there's no nothing you may as well not have had the flaps The flaps serve no purpose they hide nothing they reveal Nothing. They are the opposite of a lift-the-flap book, except for the presence of flaps. But in a way, they tell the story of the Nativity as early Christians would have preferred it. Because as far as early Christians were concerned, there was no surprise to the Nativity, because it had all been foretold in the early Jewish prophets' writings. According to early Christians, Jesus' birth was simply the end game of a long prophecy that began with the early Jewish fathers and carried on through the lineage of King David and then carried on through the birth of Jesus. And that anyone who expressed surprise about this obviously hadn't read their books. Uh, whether or not this is true, I mean, true in quotation marks, or was a lot of backpedaling and filling in the blanks later and fudging the story as much as you could to make it fit those pieces, that's up to the biblical scholars. Uh, But what we're looking at today is what even is a nativity scene? What's the point of the crash? What's the point of the manger scene? Why does it even exist? Why do we and we being people who celebrate Christmas, have these things in our houses or on our front lawns or at our churches? Where did this all begin? What is the nativity scene and how important is it to getting ready for Christmas? Well, tradition holds that we have St. Francis himself, old Frank, dirty Frank as we call him, (laughs) <laughs> no one's ever, I'm sorry, no one's ever called him that. Uh, St. Francis of Assisi, uh, otherwise known as Radagast the Brown, uh, if you watch the Hobbit movies, to thank for the, the concept of the nativity scene. They say that in the 13th century, uh, St. Francis created the first nativity scene. And, it, and it's important to understand that the celebration of the nativity, the, 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 like, the, let's, let's all look at this nativity. Let's look around and look at the baby Jesus. It's relatively recent in Christian history. it didn't really hit its full popularity until the 13th century until until St Francis came along and started doing his thing because up until that point, the predominant view of Jesus was that of the Lord, capital T, capital L, the Lord as of Jesus as omnipotent God who came to earth as God, died as God, was this you know carried up to heaven as God, came back to earth as God simply here to to save humankind and usher in the end of the world like that was that was your early your early christian churches were just like get ready because the now the end is coming by the 13th century people had mellowed out a little bit and it was the franciscans who were like let's 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 work on the image of jesus because the world might not be ending anytime soon uh, we're trying to spread the, the gospel around the world into all these communities and the whole like this guy was an omnipotent God who somehow got nailed to a cross and saved all of humanity isn't really hitting it for a lot of people. There's a lot more f- they're looking for a little more fun in their Jesus. Uh, so it was the Franciscans who were like, let's let's shift focus a little bit onto the Nativity, onto the concept of, of Jesus as, as infant. Uh, let's focus on that baby imagery, the mother and child imagery. Uh, let's ignore the old school imagery of Jesus as a little man, a little balding man being held in in his mother's arms. He was a guy of, of, a, of a baby who was born fully formed as a like as this homunculus dude. Uh, and let's 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 focus on Jesus in his mother's arms. Let's focus on the baby who was born in the manger Um so we can have this like tender, caring image with the mother and child to bookend the story of the suffering on the cross. And they also were just were big on the suffering on the cross. Like this wasn't some guy who stoically went into that good night. Yeah, Jesus uh, was, was still a man who didn't want to die. Uh, that, that, that's, let's bring that humanity home. So we have we have baby born to a mother in a manger. It's a cozy beautifully lit scene you're surrounded by animals you're surrounded by people who are like not only is this god it's a pretty cute baby and so it brings the whole story down to earth and it became this boon to churches because francis of assisi as tradition holds staged this nativity scene and by nativity scene i mean like cast i mean i i had this funny like thought of like so assisi like cast people is cast people in this did he have auditions was he like i'm looking okay today we're we're having i'm francis of assisi and we're having some callbacks now we're calling back marys we need some marys we need someone who can really achieve like the whole like pious look but i really need to get like the tired mother look because we really want people in the audience to be able to relate to the concept of like they all know what it's like to like (laughs) ladies am i right like we've all given birth here i mean i haven't i'm a monk and i'm that's not even i don't even really know what that involves but ladies in the audience you're giving birth it's pretty rough right and I mean, imagine giving birth to God. That's got to be like, like even that's way beyond what you've done. So I really want to see that in your callbacks. So let's yes, yes, the piety, yes, the the adoration. But really, I'm looking for the I'm looking for the 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 the, the fatigue. I'm looking for the like oh, I don't really know what I'm doing here. I'm looking for you looking to Joseph for a little help here. He doesn't really know what's going on either. Your first time parents maybe. Let's get a lot of that. I'm I'm having. Francis of Assisi had to cast the first nativity scene, right? Like that was like, did he just go out into the town? and was like, I'm staging a nativity. And they're like, what is that? And he's like, I I could explain it. Just show up at auditions tonight at the local church. I don't know. But in any case, it was super popular. And Before you knew it, churches everywhere were like, we got to have our own nativity scenes. This is fun. And so that was what nativity scenes were. They were, and they still do this. I, mean, I know churches still do this. You, you, you mount a scene. It's not a play. I mean, sometimes they do play. Sometimes they have lines and they, you know, they, they lead up to the final. But the point is that you you fill the stage or the outside with all the characters from the story of the birth of Jesus. And uh, and then at the very end of it, you sort of hit this tableau. And you frequently have like a choir singing. I think like, uh, oh, come let us adore him. That, that song with uh, oh, come all ye faithful. Isn't that the one? Or like joy to the world. Maybe that's the one that people sing. They like hit it. Like, boom, joy to the world. And then everyone's like, yeah, Jesus. And, like, the light hits the baby on the manger, and you got Joseph, you got Mary, you got the wise men, you got the camels. So A lot of them still try to do the whole, like, live animals thing, which is pretty rad. Uh, a lot of them, you cast the children as the animals. If you listen to uh, my old uh, podcast, uh, 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 Click It Cast, the, the Beverly Cleary podcast I used to do with John McCoy, Uh, We, Ramona Quimby played a sheep, a little lamb in her church's nativity scene, that kind of thing. They were big deals. They still are big deals. They got the community together and people were like, oh man, the baby Jesus, right? He was a baby, man. He was a baby Jesus. Now there were infancy gospels. They didn't make it into the Bible, but there were infancy gospels. And if you've never read the infancy gospels, there's some pretty nutty stuff. All right. Google infancy gospels. You can pull them up, read them. Uh, and those are basically if you're familiar with DC Comics, uh, the original Superboy comics, they were like, well, we have all these great stories of Superman as an adult. Obviously, we know this stuff he goes on with as an adult. But man, what was he like as a kid? Like this would have been a kid with a bunch of superpowers. That must have been nuts. And that's literally the infancy stories like they were like, well, Jesus is a magic man, right? Like he could do like all kinds of crazy stuff. What was that like when he was a kid? And you may think, well, obviously he was a pious little boy, did a lot of pious little boy things. No, Jesus was literally Dennis the Menace. He was this sort of weird, wild, bratty, nutso kid who went around like using his superpowers to do to wreak all kinds of havoc and teach people lessons. It was so amazing. I am so mad that we have not had a really like big infancy gospels story. I want. I want. Hot-headed baby Jesus, like kid Jesus running around. In any case, that's completely beside the point. So people loved these nativity scenes. And eventually churches just started like having uh, statues instead of people. It was easier. You could put them in storage, haul them out for Christmas. And that continued on until it continues on until today. Uh, It wasn't until the 19th century that uh, personal nativities for home use... (laughs) Became like a thing. It became a really popular thing. That just became like with like mass production. Like you able to cheaply and efficiently reproduce little figurines that you could put on your mantle, on your table, wherever, on your side table. I don't know where you put your nativity scenes. Uh, and then, uh, and then uh, that was it. Like once, once they became cheap and easy to produce uh, houses, particularly in uh, Western Europe and in the United States. They just, they went, they went nuts. It went hog wild, all kinds of nativity scenes. When I was a kid, we had our main nativity scene uh, with the prerequisite broken ear of the donkey. Um, I think every single nativity scene before a certain period had a donkey with an ear broken off. That just, you know, ceramic thing. Uh, but we also had this really weird nativity uh, that I wish my mom still had because I would demand she send it to me so I could love it forever. It was just a Joseph and a Mary and a Jesus um but they were made out of dough like they were made of dough and shellacked and really creepy like children of the corn style creepy like why did you make this why is this made out of twisted bread dough uh as a child i was fascinated by them a little freaked out because they had no faces or anything they were just like twisted bread dough uh, i was hungry by them as well like it looked like good like that way when you when you cover a a piece of a loaf of bread in shellac it just it always looks fresh, and these things always looked like fresh and delicious. I never put it in my mouth. I'm sure it would have tasted terrible, especially considering how old it was. But bread to Jesus was my favorite Jesus. Um, today I still have a nativity scene. I have the Playmobil nativity scene, one of many. Like Playmobil has put out dozens of different nativity scenes. Um, I have one uh, that came with like a cardboard. Uh, Manger. It came with uh, Joseph and Mary. It came came with the angel of the Lord, I believe, Uh, Jesus Abs. I had to buy the wise men separately. Um, I bought the three wise men super pack, which came with camels, came with all their stuff. Um, But it's a favorite. I love my my Playmobil nativity scene. The cool thing about Playmobil nativity scene is it's compatible with Playmobil everything. You want to Ghostbusters in your nativity scene. You put the Ghostbusters in your nativity scene. You want Back to the Future nativity scene. You put Back to the Future nativity scene, or you want Mary and Jesus to visit the Back to the Future characters like I do. Bam! Now, last year during my Christmas time shenanigans, which I participate in, uh, spoiler alert: if you are friends with me on Facebook. I do the, I, for the last two years now, I've done Playmobiles Back to the Future Nativity scene. It's very awesome. It's very much fun. I enjoy doing it. Uh, Jesus has shown up both years now. Baby Jesus has. Last year, he fell, uh, just fell out of my hand and hit the ground and his head fell off, like snapped clean off. Don't understand it, why it happened. I uh, had to glue it back on. Um, this, this year, his head fell off again. Today, the day I am recording this, his health fell off again. So I had to incorporate. Jesus's head falling off into the story again um which it w- makes sense narratively speaking he got sent to the land of of the 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 evil skeleton it's there's a lot of there's an electric skeleton involved in the story there's a lot going on it's a it's a it's a big if you're friends with me on Facebook you can actually it's actually it's all my uh advent stuff is public so if you find me on Facebook you can at least see the advent stuff if you're curious Phil Gonzalez yeah, everything else is private, but you can, see the, you can see the Playmobil Lab and stuff. And you'll find out why Jesus' head fell off in the story twice. Um, what was I saying? Uh, nativity scenes. But that's what I do with my—because Nativity what is a Nativity scene but a bunch of toys, right? It's just a bunch of toys. It is the original action figures. They're the original action figures, uh, the developers of the Nativity. So a uh, quick rundown. of. I mean, there's not a whole lot to say about this book except for the fact that—I mean, I already told you what they found. Uh, But the nativity story uh, only appears in Matthew and Luke. Uh, It's told differently in both. And I believe the three wise men only show up in Luke. No, the three wise men show up in Matthew's gospel. The magi show up in Matthew's gospel. That's what it is. Uh, The magi only show up. There's not three of them. Um, they don't show up at the birth of Jesus. They follow the star. The magi are uh, astrologers, essentially. Even though astrology is poo pooed in the Bible, um, like the concept is that like Jesus's birth was revealed to astrologers. Like even though they were doing something kind of kind of iffy, uh, they were doing it for good reasons, and so they got revealed, and so they followed the star. Um, they find jesus at home not in the manger he's at home cuz this is like a couple of years after his birth like in the in, they don't really they're they're kind of wishy-washy on the timeline but you can assume it took them like he was born and then they were like oh the stars were told we got to go find like they 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 set off after he was born and then they took news of him back to uh herod i believe it was and they were like kids on her and so herod's like kill all the babies and uh jesus managed to escape but they brought gold frankincense and myrrh uh, and that's why people think of three magi. So the oral tradition was that there were three magi uh, Melchior, Balthazar, and. Caspar? Caspar? Melchior, Balthazar? Is that the three? Three wise men traditionally shown from being from various different parts. So, you know, one of the wise men was you know, uh, dark skinned. Uh, one of the wise men looked to be from, quote unquote, the Asian area. It's left particularly vague. And then one guy was like, always oh, like, just a white guy, just a white guy. Um, it's the most multicultural part of like most children's Bibles is the three wise men because they're friends right they like hang out together but because of the gold frankincense and myrrh there's usually portrayed as three of them um gold of course they brought because he's a king Uh, frankincense because that's the thing that you would use in sacrifices to like gods so yeah we're acknowledging you're a god and myrrh because that's what you would anoint dead bodies with and they're like and also kid you're gonna die young um sorry to tell you that so that's why the, you have the three wise men. Um you have their camels because they were supposed to have come from the east and people were like, "Oh, the east, camels, right?" That, that's your th- that's to three wise men. Um you have you have the Christmas star, and that's the star that um the three wise men were supposed to have followed, which you know, people there've been some like there's I mean you you read a million things about it. You're like, "What was the star? Was it really a supernova? Was it really planetary alignment?" And I'm like, it was most likely a story that people made up. Like it maybe was just like they followed a star. I don't maybe there wasn't an actual star. Maybe they were just like, how would the wise men get there? I don't know. A star. That sounds good. Um, the angel of the Lord comes and talks to the shepherds. So shepherds and the angels. Uh, Matthew and Luke have different attitudes towards shepherds. Um, uh, I believe it was Luke that was that like focuses a lot on the shepherds and the angel coming down and being like, don't worry about it he's cool like don't be afraid of the don't be afraid of the jesus he's cool shepherds and also like the whole thing with sheep like jesus is the lamb he's slaughtered like a lamb and like jesus is the shepherd and we are the sheep and then like there's no lions in the nativity scene. Uh, we'll worry about that when we get to Revelation. But uh, but yeah, so the shepherds are like, oh, and they bow down before Jesus, and because they acknowledge that he's like the son of God in the story. Um, the stable where Jesus is born. The sister finds that, and where Jesus was born in the story. There's a lot of like controversy over the translations. Some think that he actually was born like in the inn, like in but in like an empty room in the inn, like in the upstairs portion. There's a lot of like. Oh well this word doesn't actually translate to stable it actually translates to this that and the other thing and they would have understood it to you know or maybe we say stable now but they would have understood it to have meant something else the, the 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 specifics are fun to to argue i think the point of the story was that he was born in just kind of a a nondescript place, like he wasn't born in a castle, he wasn't, well, I guess probably wouldn't have been born in a castle, he wasn't even born in any place comfortable, he was born away from home, like it was, again, it was the humble origins they were trying, like he was just some kid, he was just another kid, like just born out in the middle of nowhere, not even surrounded by friends and family, just, you know, Mary was just like, oh, I'm gonna have a baby when we're on vacation, like that's the worst, right, um, the animals, there's there's symb- symbolism to the animals, because I think it was the book of Isaiah that predicted that there would be like, maybe, was it Isaiah? Oh God, I'm trying to, I'm looking through my notes here. Oh yeah, the ox and the donkey. The ox and the donkey. Uh, Sister Bear points out that the donkey represents the donkey that they were supposed to have ridden uh, to Bethlehem. Um, and the ox refers to the book of Isaiah. I was right. It was the book of Isaiah. Uh, the ox knoweth his owner, and the ass his master's crib. But Israel does not know my people does not consider uh the types of animals aren't really mentioned in the in the gospels but so they they go back to like other stories to to fig- to figure it out um also all these animals just look really cool you want animals in your nativity scene uh so the stable they find all the animals um Joseph Joseph plays an interesting part in the nativity because uh, they go to great lengths and this has been discussed by many people millions of times over. But the, the lineage of Jesus through King David ends at Joseph. And they're like, and then Joseph, ta-da, and the, the, there he is. But then, of course, Jesus isn't Joseph's actual son. Like Jesus is the son of God and Mary. So the lineage is weird. Like, it, it's weird that they would, it, people always like, wait, why, would, why spend so much time establishing those bona fides when you're just also just like, but he wasn't really the father. It doesn't matter. Like, that's not the point of the story. Like, the story is is symbolic. The story is meant to be like, to just be like, look, he had a good, he had a good, he had some good relatives. His relatives' ancestors were pretty cool. The really weird, interesting part of the story is the fact that, you know, Joseph, well, in one of the, in uh, in one of the Gospels, he was married to Mary. In one of the Gospels, he was like betrothed to Mary, I think is how it works. Uh, regardless, she gets pregnant and Joseph is like, huh. That's not cool because I know it's not my kid. So let's just get divorced really quietly. Just separate. We don't have to make a big deal out of it. The an- so in one of the gospels, the angel of the Lord comes to Mary and is like, You're gonna have this baby, you're gonna call it Jesus. But in the other gospel, I think it's uh, I think it's Matthew. Yeah. Uh th- the angel comes to Joseph and is like, just go ahead and uh, go ahead and marry her. So wait, okay. So I'm trying to get this, I'm trying to get this straight in my head. I don't know what the Bible means by divorce because it says in Matthew that he's going to divorce her, but then the angel comes to him and is like, you got to marry her. So there's different levels of marriage, I guess, in any case. The angel is the one who says, you got to stick with Mary, name the baby Jesus. In Luke, the angel comes to Mary and is like, you got to ba- name the baby Jesus. Don't worry about it. So, it, you know, obviously the story's told by different people over different times for different reasons. But, uh, Joseph plays an interesting part. I just like that in the story, Joseph does the realistic thing where he's like, uh, I'm out. I'm out. Like, I wasn't expecting to have to deal with someone else's kid. Like, you... like, But he does it, like, kind of... He tries to be nice about it. He's like, yeah, we... I'm not really cool with this. Let's just call it off. We don't have to worry about it. I'm not going to make me." I like that Joseph... Like, there's a very human moment for him. Like, he's not this, like, totally cool with everything guy. He... He was just like this wasn't what I signed up for, and then the angel comes to him in a dream is like just stick with it, you'll be fine. And he did he does, and he is. Um, so he's a pretty like pretty important figure to have there. Plus he's there for the birth. He, as far as we know, it, the Bible doesn't really mention him much after that. But as far as we know, he was a decent enough dad. I don't know. Uh, I mean, you know, Jesus seemed to be all right later on in life. Uh, then you find Mary. I mean, I'm not even going to Mary. This whole religion is built around Mary, but she of course gets that figure. And uh, they find Mary, and that's okay. I threw my book across the room. Hold on. Find Mary behind a stuffed bear, and then they find the, the, the donkey's the last thing they find. I find that interesting. But, uh, and then they put everything together. Now, the bears do not, the bear family does not follow the tradition of waiting until Christmas Eve to put the baby in the manger. A lot of families do that. I had never heard of that until I got a little older. Um... I do know that places that put baby Jesus out before Christmas Eve run the risk of baby Jesus being stolen and having hilarious things done with him. By uh, teenagers. So maybe that's a reason to wait to put baby Jesus out if you have one of them lawn nativity scenes. Uh, But uh, yeah. So uh, that's uh, the weird Berenstain Bears get ready for Christmas. Lift the flap book, uh, which doesn't serve the purpose of a lift the flap book, but does have flaps that you can lift, but there's no surprises inside. Uh, Mama Bear is wearing her pink vest in this. Uh, There's no real, the characters don't really do anything. And this, this isn't a story, this is just the Cubs looking behind things to gather up the nativity scene so uh so i mean that I, that's uh, I, that's what it is it's there i guess if you have children and they want to lift flaps the book makes that possible um but it doesn't really do anything as far as like talking about christmas or the, the- theology or anything you kind of you have to know the story to know what's going on they set up the manger and the last thing they all say is glory to god in the highest and on P- earth peace uh, and then that's, that's it. It's, 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 a, it's, a, it's, a, it's nicely illustrated. I mean, it's, 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 it's cute. It's a cute book. Uh, not a whole lot going on, but, uh, yeah. And, uh, and then, and then they have a nativity scene. Uh, that's it. <laughs> Thanks for listening. It's kind of, I don't know, it's kind of a, again, there's not a story here. It's just, the bears St. bears. They get ready for Christmas. They just get ready for Christmas. That's it. So, um, yeah, I hope you enjoyed listening to me talk about this book. It's not really. <laughs> it's a week before Christmas at this point. In a week, it will be Christmas. And guess what? On Christmas, we have another Christmas book. And I am gonna. I'm gonna have a guest. Uh... I'm going to have a guest. So join me, won't you? Maybe if I can get my stuff together, if I can get my act together, maybe I'll drop the episode on Christmas Eve. So maybe I will. Uh, if I can get my stuff together, I'll I'll, I'll do it. But uh, otherwise, thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for supporting. Thank you so much for joining me. Uh, you can find me at baronstainbearcast.org. You can find me on Twitter at bstainbearcast. You can find me on Twitter at pcoreygonzalez. Uh, uh, last week's episode was so popular that people have just been just commenting on it left and right. So uh, uh, it was weird. It was not about the Berenstain Bears. You probably skipped it. Probably my worst listened to episode ever. I don't care. I had fun and I had fun just shaking, shaking the, shaking the sugar tree. I don't know what expression I was looking for. Just stirring things up, making a mess. Uh, it's my podcast. I get to do literally whatever I want on here. Uh, and this week I chose to talk about the nativity uh next week we'll be talking about more christmas more bears and then we'll be done for another year and uh who knows where the future may take us so thank you again uh i love every single one of you equally uh which is i mean unless i know you probably not at all i don't know any of you except for the people i do know who listen to this in which case thank you for wanting more of me in your life that's weird uh and i'll see you all next time deep In you know what I can't end like that. That's a weird ending. Uh, I do appreciate everyone who listens. Like you keep me going. This is this is a this doing this show makes me live a little for a brief period of time each week. So thank you for that. Thank you for giving me a reason to a goal for the end of every week. Like that's that's something. And knowing that people listen is is something. And that people find me weird and frustrating is is something. So um, yes. Woo! The year is coming to an end. Another one, another one in the in the books, and uh, that's I, that guy. I'm just, I'm not doing. You know what? I'm just gonna cut my losses here and just say thank you. I'll see you all next time, deep in bear country.